welcome back. And if you're new with us, my name's Lucas. And I'm Marcus. And we're so glad that you're hanging with us. If, if you are hanging with us, let us know where you're watching from. We'd love to know. We're always interested in uh, where people are watching from and that's always fun to see you show up in the comments. Mm -hmm. And there's great community in the comments, so make sure that you're participating yeah. there. Um, but last Friday was what we kind of dubbed date night. Mm -hmm. Hashtag date night. We ch challenged our church to get yeah. out there and uh, with your spouse, your significant other, go on a date be creative, have fun with it. Uh, my question to you is, uh, what's, your, what's your favorite kind of date? Okay, so I have to say that I'm kind of like a boring date person. Um, if you take, like if I go out to dinner, like that's, that's a good date for me. Um, right now, it's a little bit weird. So I'm actually dating long distance right now. And so my girlfriend lives in Langley. And so uh, we've had to kind of pivot everything that we know about dates. That's, and so, sorry, that. That was kind of like breaking news. Like, I know. Big if you didn't see it on social there media, you heard it, here, heard it here first, folks. So, um, but that means that we have to do things on FaceTime. And so for Christmas, actually, um, Paige bought me Bananagrams. And so I opened it and there were two things of Bananagrams. I'm like, why did you buy me two of the same game? Uh, and it's so that we could play together over FaceTime. Um, not that I'm keeping score, but I've won every time. So um, if you, you know, don't know what Bananagrams are, we're not gonna tell you, you can Google, Google it, it, figure it out. Uh, yeah, Lisa and I, I would say that we are pretty boring too. Actually, when we were younger and the kids were younger, we'd have a, a couple of youth that would always come over and just babysit our kids. And they'd kind of come and just say, hey, you guys haven't been on a date for a while, we're gonna come babysit your kids. And and we would go out and we'd usually grab something to eat. Mm -hmm. And then we'd go to Costco and walk around. There you go. And just do that, so. That's boring times like two, I guess. And then we'd be back by like <laughs> nine o'clock, 9.30. And we just, just hang out with the babysitters. <laughs> so, yeah. So what we're saying is that we maybe need some uh, creative ideas. And so I, basically any comment will be better than what yes. we just shared. Yes. And so what did you do? Yeah, <laughs> so we'd love to know what you guys did as well or just share some ideas with us. Yeah, we need to up our game, so sure. help us out. Yeah. Well, we're so excited to jump back into our John series, and so we're gonna turn it over to Pastor Lisa. Good morning. Well, I look forward to seeing what you did for your date night in the comments below. I have an important question for you this morning, and it really is important, and it is a somewhat divisive question. I'm gonna ask it anyway. Are you ready? Sunrise or sunset? sunrise or sunset you have to pick one you have to convince me in the comments we're gonna debate you have to sell me on why a sunrise is better than a sunset or a sunset is better than a sunrise ready go debate go crazy in the comments i personally am a sunset girl. I think it's just kind of the perfect bow on the gift of each 24 hours in a day. And with a sunset, unlike a sunrise, if you stay out post sunset, you get the night sky. And I love a night sky. I love the stars and the moon. And if you're watching and you're not from Pell River, then you have to come here only if it's for the night sky. There is just something about Pell River that the stars look so close that if you stretch just far enough up, you could touch them. 
and I will never, ever, ever tire of seeing them. I'm usually the first person up in the morning very early with our dog, and so I tend to take her out first thing in the morning, and there are mornings, I'm talking early, when I just sit on the stairs and I marvel at the night sky, and there is something about looking at those stars and and just the magnificence of the sky that's just moonlit and just the trees in our backyard make this perfect bowl that I could sit there forever and stare at them. But there are other mornings when fog and cloud cover have hidden the stars and the moon and it is a very different feeling on those mornings. On those mornings, there's almost an eeriness in the darkness, and I already have an overactive imagination, and so on those mornings, I am hustling my dog along because I want to get back up and back inside. Well, I don't know if that's just me or if you are one of those people that just can feel the difference that um, clouds make on an otherwise beautifully moonlit sky. But we're gonna dive back in and I'm gonna tell you why that's important in a few moments. But for right now, would you turn with me in your Bible to John chapter one? John chapter one. And again, we just started um, our series in the Gospel of John last week. And so this morning we're starting in verse 4. John chapter 1, verse 4. And if you don't have a Bible, head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible. And we would love to get you one. If you want a paper Bible, if you want to just have a Bible on your phone or a smart device, there are some links to the App Store right there. So you don't even have to talk to anybody. You can just get those right now. So myevangel.church forward slash Bible. John chapter one, starting in verse four. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him, all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this reminder this morning that you are light in darkness. And just as seeing that beautifully lit sky fills us with such awe and wonder, this morning, I pray as we look into your heart and your character that we would be filled with awe and wonder as we behold you. So Spirit of Truth, would you guide us this morning? Would you reveal parts of your character? Would you remind us of the things that are true? As always, would you allow my own words just to float away and would your words, Lord, go forth in power in your precious name. Amen. Well, light is an interesting thing. I took a little refresher on light as I was preparing for this sermon, and I can really understand the concept of it, but I couldn't truly explain it to you if you asked me to explain how light works. And 
I think that there's just something that's kind of awe-inspiring in parts of God's creation that we might be able to fundamentally understand, but the intricacies are lost on us. And we know that darkness likewise is an interesting thing. Light and dark are supposed to be opposites and yet they're kind of unequal in power. Light can never be overcome by darkness. There's no way for darkness to um, extinguish the light, but light can extinguish darkness. Where light comes, darkness is absent. There is light or there is dark. And this passage in uh, John really does this in a spiritual sense for us. It, it shows us the same exact truth. There is light or there is dark. Just as physically in the nighttime, if I turn off all my lights, it's going to be dark in my home. When I turn them on, it's going to be light in my home. And in that same way, there's just a fundamental truth here that there is light or there is darkness. And Jesus is the light. He illuminates the truth of our existence. He reveals uh, the truth of his reality that in him is light and life. There is light or there's darkness. There's the truth that Jesus reveals to us or there's the deception of the world, either that there is no light or that somehow we can find the light within ourselves. And there's no half measure here. Just as when we turn on the lights, there aren't still pockets of darkness. Light has expelled darkness. There are no half measures. There's no partially true theology when it comes to Jesus. Where he is as the light, darkness cannot overpower him. Where he is as the light expels all darkness. Jesus is the light. Last week, we spoke of the opening statements of John and how there were some fundamental truths that we had to believe in order to really get some of the deeper things that John was going to lay out for us. We had to just acknowledge and choose the foundation of believing that Jesus is preeminent over all, that he has authority as creator God as well as the fact that Jesus was man. He did walk on this earth with bones and flesh, but he was also fully God, that he is deity. And we had to accept these truths if we were going to build upon that foundation with the truths that were coming later on. And this is one of them. You see, sometimes I want to treat Jesus like I would my kitchen light. I really want to have half-truths and half-measures when it comes to Jesus being the light. Sometimes I want to turn on my kitchen light. It helps me just accomplish the tasks. Again, I have an overactive imagination and don't really like the dark. And so when things feel a little bit too dreary for me, I want the lights turned on. But there are other times when I would prefer to keep those lights off. And I can mistakenly apply that same feeling to Jesus. 
that somehow I get to decide when the lights go on and when the lights stay off. That I can pick and choose when I want the light of truth, when I want the light of his presence shining on my dark places, when I want him to illuminate the parts of my life that are in darkness. And I somehow think that I can choose to just turn him on or turn him off. And when it feels like there's too much mess here or I'm just not ready for it, I just turn Jesus off, thank you very much. But Jesus isn't like my kitchen light. He doesn't have a switch that allows him to be on or off. Jesus is light. It's not just something he does, it's, it's who he is. If we're gonna liken Jesus to the kitchen light, then I wanna say, rather than that, when he shines at times and doesn't shine at times, when I can pick and choose when I'm gonna allow Jesus as the light to be present in my life, that's not who Jesus is. Rather, Jesus is like the sun. He just is light. There is never a time when he's not shining. There's never a time when he's not illuminating everything that he shines upon. There's never a time that he's not radiating light and life. First John chapter one, verse five tells us, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. God doesn't turn on and turn off. He just is light. It's who he is. The light that brings life to all humanity. The light that's the source of life to everything that he shines upon. And he doesn't just contain it. He is it. And to be near him, to stand in his presence, to come close to him, to engage in relationship with God is to allow that light to fall on us. Because Jesus is light. I mentioned that I'm team sunset um, and not necessarily because I think sunsets are any more beautiful than sunrises. I think they are both extremely glorious. But I'm team sunset because I really do love, love, love the night sky. I love looking at the stars. I'm in absolute awe of the moon when I see it and how God so intricately made all of the things that we can see. The moon is an amazing creation. I mean, if you just think about the last time that you were outside looking at the night sky with the moon full and bright reflecting and casting light on everything around you, even though the moon actually has no source of light itself. It simply reflects the brilliance of the sun. And it reflects it so efficiently that it can give light to the darkest night. In the Gospel of John, he continues on in verse 6 and says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this is John the Baptist, not John the author of this Gospel. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. 
I think this is amazing that John reflected the light of Christ so well that we as the readers had to be reminded that he did not have light within himself. Within John was no source of light. The source of light was and always will be Jesus. But John was a witness to it. His reflection was so brilliant, like the moon on a night sky is so brilliant that it points towards the sun. John reflecting the light of Jesus was so brilliant that it pointed to Jesus himself. It pointed back to the true source of light. As those who believe in Jesus, we have been given that sacred responsibility as well to reflect so brilliantly the source of light, Jesus, that we by turn cast light into the darkest of nights, into the darkest of places, not because we have the source of light or life, but because the source of light and life is shining upon us as we engage in relationship with him, as we place ourselves in close proximity with him, that as he shines on us, we reflect his light and life and love and hope and joy to the world around us. And as we shine brilliantly, we point all that would look back to us, to the creator, to Jesus, the source of our light and life. We've been called as those who follow Jesus to walk in the light as 1 John reminds us just a few um, words down from what we read before in 1 John 1, 5. And although we know that that's true, I can get this all kinds of mixed up in my mind. When I start to somehow forget that I am merely a reflector and somehow try to manufacture light on my own. I want you to think about some of the phrases that you've heard just kind of uttered in popular culture and maybe you've believed that you just have to look within yourself that we just have to find our center that somehow we just have to um, be grounded and content in who we are and then we'll reflect that to the world around us friends that's trying to produce light from the moon <laughs> The moon is just rock. It's not going to produce light on its own. It will only shine when the sun is reflecting on it. And likewise, when I try to produce light within my own life on my own, I'm going to try and fail every time because I'm just a pile of rocks that wasn't meant to produce light. I was meant to reflect the sun. It's again getting into that trap that we talked about last week of trying to modify my behavior first and my heart second. Unless I'm positioned close to Jesus, it's not going to work. I need to be close to the source of light. 
when I find that I'm not reflecting Jesus well, rather than kind of deciding that I just need to, to look within, I need to start asking myself, have I wandered away from the source of the light? It's not a time to look within, it's a time to look without. Have I been neglecting my time in the presence of Jesus? Have I been hiding from the illumination of the Son of God? Am I standing in a place where I can reflect Jesus or have I forgotten who my source of light is? Have I forgotten my sacred role as witness? As I was studying for this sermon, there was a quote from Leon Morris that really just hit me and I want to share it with you. The matter of witness is a serious thing. Establishing truth and giving ground for faith. Yet witness does more. It commits a man. If I take my stand in the witness box and testify that such and such is the truth of the matter, I am no longer neutral. I have committed myself. John lets us know that there are those like John the Baptist who have committed themselves by their witness of Christ. Friends, when we declare ourselves as followers of Jesus, we have committed ourselves. We are not neutral. We have eyes that are watching. We have ears that are listening. And the only way that we're going to show them a life that is different is by positioning ourselves in a place where we can reflect Jesus to them. Where the source of light and life is able to shine brilliantly in my life so that it points directly back to him. We are witnesses to the light. We have committed ourselves to a life spent reflecting him. We're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden but not because we are manufacturing light within ourselves, not because we've committed to a do better, try harder life, just be kind, just be nice to people, just act loving, just speak loving. No, because we have the source of light and life that shines on us and completely transforms us so that we can reflect him to the world around us. Jesus cannot be contained by darkness because he is perfect light. And he's asked us to step into the darkness as witnesses of him and to be beacons of hope and joy and love and life, reflecting him to the world around us, just like the moon casts its glow in the night sky. I mentioned the difference that um, the clouds covering the moon can make on my feelings of peace in the early, early mornings out with my dog. Those crystal clear night skies where it is just full of the most glorious stars and that beautiful moon. Oh, I could sit in my backyard for hours staring up and just being in awe of what God has done. And those nights when the cloud cover comes in and I can't see any of those things, 
I want to get inside as quick as possible. I actually feel afraid. I'm worried that some creature from the woods is going to come out and just scare me right up the steps. As those who know Jesus, we've been called to shine brighter than the darkness. Not because of our own mustering up, but because that's how brilliant the light of Jesus is. And I want you to hear this very clearly. You shining makes a difference. You shining the light of Jesus brings peace and safety and love and hope and joy to the people around you. But when we get it confused and we step away from the brilliant illumination of Jesus, when we allow our position with him, or when we mistakenly um, just try and dim his light, that makes a difference too. We've been called to be light in the darkness. We've been encouraged not to put a basket over it and cover it up because the world desperately needs to be pointed back to the light and life of Jesus. And there are times when I don't want to turn the lights on. I mentioned that before. Maybe I went to bed before my kids and I know that as soon as I turn the lights up, the kitchen is going to be a disaster. Or maybe it's really early and it's dark outside and I know that as soon as I turn the lights on, neighbors driving to work will be able to see what's happening in my home. In those moments, I tend to avoid the light because of the mess or <laughs> because I just don't want people looking in. And I know there can be a temptation to avoid the light, to avoid Jesus because of the mess, because we don't want him looking in on what's happening in our spirit. But friends, I want to remind you of something, and we're going to see this over and over and over as we walk through the Gospel of John. While Jesus walked this earth, he stopped again and again to interact with messy people. He stopped again and again to speak to those that culture had deemed too far gone and not worthy of his time or his words. And every single time that Jesus entered someone's ordinary, messy life, he changed them. He changed them for the better. They were in awe of the grace and the love and the compassion that they found in the gaze of Jesus. And so if you've been avoiding Jesus this morning because you don't want that light to fall on your life, I want to remind you that Jesus always stops for messy, ordinary people like us. And there is not a single mess that could be present in your spirit that would have him avert his gaze or deem you too far gone for his love and his grace and his compassion. He loves you. 
your mess doesn't scare him. And he is gentle. He's full of mercy. He can change you for the better, where you walk away in awe of the love that you find in that light. In just a moment, we're going to be having communion together, and that's just a time to pause and reflect on what Jesus did on the cross. And this morning, if you have found yourself avoiding the light, if you know the truth, but you've just found some distance between you and Jesus lately, or you've just allowed the messes to pile up in your own spirit and you're just afraid of allowing the light of his presence to shine on them, would you just take a few moments, even just press mute right now and just talk to God? Would you just position yourself in proximity of his light? In him is mercy. In him is true love. He always welcomes us back. He always forgives. He is so patient with us. And this morning, if you are sitting here and you're just journeying and exploring faith, I'm so glad that you're here. And I want to invite you as well, as we step into this time of communion, to join us as part of God's family. Maybe as you've been listening, you've just felt that tug of wanting to know Jesus for yourself, of knowing that, that there is someone out there who loves you so much and you just don't know where to go from here. Friend, it is so simple. It is like not a big ritual or ceremony. It's acknowledging that you know that you are broken, that you've made mistakes in your life as we all have. And acknowledging that because of that, the relationship between God and you can't happen because God in all of his righteous perfection actually can't be in relationship with our brokenness. But that God loved us so much that Jesus did come to walk this earth that he died on the cross to be the sacrifice, to pay the penalty for our brokenness, and that for everyone who asks him, he offers forgiveness of that sin. He offers a way for us in our brokenness to have a relationship with a perfect God because he himself binds us together. He atones for everything that we've ever done and everything that we could ever do. And he throws our sin away as if it never existed. That's it. <laughs> we acknowledge and we ask for that forgiveness, that that light life would shine bright upon you. And we walk out a journey of a friendship with Jesus, looking more and more like him every day. And so if you want that relationship with God today, we're gonna pray, but I wanna ask you to do something. It's really easy to take that step when it's anonymous on the other side of, of a computer screen. 
But as I said, faith is a journey of walking out of friendship with God, looking more and more like him every day. And here at Evangel, we believe that you were made for community because you were never called to walk that journey alone. So this morning, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, would you in boldness let us know in the comments would you in boldness let us know on our website? You can um, go to a contact us page and just let us know because our staff would love to journey with you as you start this journey of faith looking more and more like Jesus every day. And we wanna help you um, just have the best start that you can. Make sure you have a Bible. Just explain some of the things that you might have questions about and start a dialogue around that. We just don't want you to do this alone. Thank you so much for being here with us, friends. Can I pray for you? And if you want to accept Jesus today, if you want to say yes to that relationship with him, then I also want to pray for you. So God, I thank you so much that your light shines in darkness. That that light was what drew us to you. And so we have a sacred responsibility to reflect you well. I want to pray for my friends this morning that are feeling that tug to know you. I thank you that you have pursued every single one of us, that those of us who would um, claim a relationship with you, that that wasn't just something that we stumbled upon, but that you, Holy Spirit, were guiding us towards you, that you were revealing that truth to us. And so I thank you for revealing truth to these friends this morning. I thank you that right now they are a new creation in you, that the old is gone and the new has come, that as they've asked that they're completely forgiven and that no matter what messes pile up in their lives, they will always find forgiveness at the foot of the cross. I thank you for those who this morning are just feeling like maybe they've walked out of proximity with you. I thank you that like the father of the prodigal son, you're waiting with arms wide open. That when we turn and we start walking back to you, that you don't let us um, linger in the consequences of our decisions, but you come running in grace and mercy and forgiveness. Would you help us, Lord, to position ourselves in proximity with you so that we could reflect your light to the world around us, not because we have mustered something up within ourselves, but because you are shining so brilliantly off of our own lives that we can't help but cast light into darkness wherever we go. Help us to be good witnesses. In your precious name, amen. Well, why don't you grab your communion elements and we will do the same and we will join you together for communion. Well, thanks, Lisa. And for those of you that perhaps um, are walking through this exploration of the Christian faith and Jesus and who Jesus is and what he's done for you, uh, we hope that this has kind of been a moment where God has been tweaking something in you, speaking to you. If you have any questions, um, just reach out to us anytime. Uh, you can find all of our stuff, myevangel.church is our website. Contact us, reach out, and we'd love to journey that journey of faith out with you. 
because we, none of us were made to do it alone. Mm -hmm. And so what we're gonna do now, speaking of not doing it alone, mm -hmm. is we're gonna do something called communion. And communion was instituted by Jesus himself uh, at the Last Supper. He, in, in many ways, he redefined the Passover meal and he pointed that Passover meal to himself and saying, I'm gonna fulfill this. I'm gonna be the one who brings perfect fulfillment to the problem of sin and brokenness in humanity, the separation from God. I'm gonna fulfill that and make a way for you to have eternal life and relationship with your creator. And so that's what we do together in church. This is uh, what we would call a sacrament. This is something we do together in remembrance because Jesus instituted it and he told us to continue this until the day that he returns. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're gonna do. So if you have something in your home, now we have grape juice here. You might not have grape juice in your home. Hopefully you have something that can kind of just represent. Again, this is symbolism. This is not weird, it's symbolic. <laughs> also, if you have like a cracker or a rice cracker or I don't know, a Teddy Graham. Piece of bread. Piece of bread. Grab, grab something, grab those elements. You can pause now if you need to grab those. But we're gonna just step into this moment of remembrance, this moment of celebration together as community, even though we're not physically together, we are together in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so we're gonna take this moment. Well, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 12, 23, sorry, says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we're gonna do that right now. We're gonna take the bread, the broken bread, and again, symbolic of Jesus' broken body as he was prepared for that moment on the cross where he was gonna give his life. And so let's partake together. And it goes on in the same way. After supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so there's this proclamation that we make and it's a proclamation of hope. It's a proclamation of expectation that Jesus will return for his bride, the church. And so we do this with anticipation. And so let's do it together as community in remembrance of Jesus shed blood for us. Well, Marcus, I'm just gonna ask you to close this, this, this moment together in prayer. So Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done for each one of us, that you, the light of the world, would choose um, to die for each one of us to um, create a way so that we can uh, be in right relationship with you again. So God, as we remember this together, although not physically together, but still in the unity that your Holy Spirit brings, yes, I pray God that this would be a moment where hope is restored, where we're reminded of who you are, where we're reminded that you were always with us, even in this moment here, as we remember you. And so God, I pray that what we do with this is not to keep um, the glory or keep this moment for ourselves, but that we would reflect the glory back to you because you are worthy of it, because you deserve it, and because we're so thankful for what you've done for us. Uh, and thank you that it's a free gift that we all get to accept uh, today. So God, we, we love you, we thank you, and we pray this in your name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And you know what? 
I just want to say good for you. Uh, in these days, gathering this way really is kind of a new spiritual discipline yeah. for us. And so well done disciplining yourself to gather on a Sunday, even though it's not ideal, even though you maybe don't even get as much out of it as you would have if mm -hmm. we were together. But it, sometimes this journey of faith is about spiritual disciplines right. and you guys are doing it. Mm -hmm. So well done. Uh, if this is adding value to your journey of faith, would you consider just partner, partnering with us? Um, there's a few ways that you can give and do that. Mm -hmm. uh, you can give online, myevangel.church forward slash give. You can visit us right now. We're here 9 to noon on this Sunday. Uh, come hang out. We'd love to see your face and see you in person. And we're also open Monday through Thursday, 9 to 5. Mm -hmm. God bless you. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and have a great week. See you, friends.